Uh, so last week we had a big snowstorm on Wednesday again, which is really fun. And I think um, this time we're going eight days without a snowstorm because I think we're getting one tomorrow. Are you guys getting one tomorrow, Vin? Yes. Tonight is supposed to start, and then it's going to be icing and snowing all day tomorrow. So I'm also well stocked up. <laughs> At least yeah, it waited a day. Um, yeah, that's right. Um, it waited uh, a day so we could do Dojo Universe, thank God. That's right. Uh, yeah, what uh, you know? What what happens in the world when we can't do uh, Dojo Universe? I know. Um, now I know that this is not technically a Scottish idea. However, um, does anybody have any tips on how to make better tea? <laughs> I, uh, I've, I've already had like I've already had uh, two cups of coffee today, and Carl Donnelly and Erica Lett have been giving me crap about too much coffee intake lately, so I'm trying to... Uh, Is there I'm such trying, a thing? Uh, I don't know. I, I just, <laughs> Come on, that's not fair. I wasn't giving you any crap about the coffee. Eric was just like asking about how many cups Andrew drank, and I said, oh, I don't know, like five or six a day. <laughs> I don't drink five or six a day. I thought, <laughs> thought about this because... Um, I am, and I think it's like in a 12-hour day, like I'm usually kind of active doing bagpipey type things for 12 hours a day. I think I'm like probably two and a half cups a day. Uh, but anyway, um, the main the main point of the Vin's like, yeah, that's fine. That's like half of Vin's intake. <laughs> okay, so I have to use leaf tea. Okay, I have to steep it at only 185 degrees. Warm the teapot first with boiled water. I'm con uh, that one I don't know about. Warm the teapot with boiled water. And then you put non-boiled water in it or something? Yeah, I think that's the idea. You don't want to put scalding boiling water on top of your tea. I think that's the idea. Okay, my tea, my water did not technically come to a boil, but I could sort of feel that it... Uh, it was yeah, you don't want to do the same thing with coffee grounds either when you're making like a French press coffee or something. You don't want to put boiling water on top of the grounds. you got to wait for it to cool it down. Burns it. Yeah, it's supposed to be just below boiling. <laughs> Four cups of coffee won't harm you. No, I, I I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine, I swear, guys. Really, really, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. Perfect, Tills. Okay, so we got some more feedback coming in. I mean, this is like, this is definitely a British topic. I know it's not bagpipe specific, but uh, put hot water in a pot, swirl it around to warm the pot, pour it out. Then, you oh, add when you're tea. Making, if you're making your tea in a separate pot, you want to have a hot, you know, a warm pot when you put the water in the tea in. That makes sense. This is fascinating stuff. All right, so I can't use a tea bag. That's, that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and pour more boiling water over the tea bag. See, there's different. We have differing opinions here, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I have, I have, I have friends here in town. Uh, one's Scottish, the other is English, and uh, they have nothing good to say about the tea that's available in America. <laughs> which is ironic, because yeah. had the British simply not taxed us without representation. Uh, we would have, we would not have had to throw out all of our good tea. That's right. We would have good tea, right? Be able to import all the good stuff. Yeah. Oh well. 
I brought I brought two back from Scotland this past year, and I have a box of it at home. That's how I got around that problem. It's important to stock up on that stuff, along with the canned haggis. You know, tea, canned haggis, and all the stuff. We actually have a, a British food goods store just around the corner from the dojo. Yeah, I mentioned that. Have you, have you been in there to, like, you know, check out their wares? Is it a store, or is it, like, an import or warehouse type thing? It's like when you live next door to the zoo, you never go to the zoo. That's kind of <laughs> kind of what we're dealing with here. Um, all right, so let's get on with the more serious business. Um, today, we, last week, we wanted to talk a little bit about practice tips, and the main reason for that is I was planning on being out of town, and then I didn't end up being out of town, but then we had a snowstorm. So... Um, so I wanted to ask Vin and Carl, and, and I'll participate, of course, as well, but, you know, what are, what are some of the key practice philosophies and tips that you got to know as a piper um, in order to really move forward? Like, like, what do you see the people who don't practice well doing wrong, and then what do you see the people who are successful, what are they doing right in their practice routines? That's okay, a big that's question. That's the opening question. That's the opening question. Well, I think I think one thing you see, you see constantly, especially with people in you know doing solo competition, you know, in the, in the lower grades, maybe. Um, I think I mean one of the bigger things that I see more frequently is just a lack of sort of I don't know what you call it, control. It's more like sort of letting the instrument control them, you know. So it's like a lack of mastery over the actual mechanics of the instrument, and so as a result, you have poor tone, poor uh, poor playing technique because they're struggling so much. And I think is that's one of the things in terms of like practice, you want everything moving in your favor to practice the things that matter, right? So it's the things, that, but even those things need practice, like, you know, set up bagpipe setup and, you know, comfort on the instrument and things like that. Um, so you can actually make the most progress in other things like music, you know. So, I, I mean, I've seen, I've seen that a lot, you know, you see just people just sort of struggling, not blowing well and, and just, uh, so everything suffers as a result. So it just starts at that point, you know. Um, but so, so you can tell, like, that's not a, f a focus, right? They're maybe focusing more on the practice chanter, probably. They're playing more of their tunes, uh, you know, on that and less on the pipe pipe um, to the point where they don't have that kind of, ma that level of mastery they need, you know. Yeah, so. I think that, um, I think that one of the things when I was a kid, I was like a practice chanter, champion. Right. I was like really good at it. And I think maybe what you're getting at is you know, maybe well certainly I probably should have practiced more on my bagpipes. Um but but then at the same time I think there's a lack of a a plan as far as getting the bagpipes comfortable and getting them sounding good. Mm -hmm. Um and I think I think that's one of the key things for me um is I have to have a plan for my bagpipe, and if it's if the plan's not working for me, I'm not motivated to practice, and my and then even when I do practice, I'm not able to focus on the things that I need to focus yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, I, I you know it's on the same way. It's like I, it, the instrument's got to be working right, and if it doesn't, it's you can't work on anything else because once it's once it works by itself and it kind of is everything set up and you're confident that it, it will just do what it's supposed to do, you can focus on things like you know your technique and playing and your music and things like that. Um, because, you know, I mean, you know, there's plenty of dojo university classes on tonal production, right? So, you know, there's, if you can't do that, 
it starts with that, you know, the bag, bag tree of sound and all of that. You know, if you, get, if you can't produce that, if that doesn't, if that's not the foundation of it all, then you're not going to be able to get anything out of your practice, really. That's right. We did a great class at Dojo, at Dojo U a while ago. It was, like, really, really good. It was probably over a year ago. Uh, Let me see if I could search for it. And it had to do with developing a routine, uh, developing a routine for, um, yeah, the routine of building your bagpipe sound. Uh, yep, let me post that link. For those of you who are members, I'd highly recommend this. Um, and what you're saying is, Vin, in, in Andrew speak, is um, we have this bagpipe tree of sound, but we need, we need a plan, right? So, so we understand, okay, here's how we maintain our pipes. Here's how we achieve a good tone, so on and so forth. But I actually have a maintenance mental checklist that repeats every single time I play my pipes. Um, and it has to do with um, building good bagpipe maintenance from the inside out. So it's always the same. It's always the same order because it's, it's the logical order. Is my bag airtight, yes or no? Right? Um, if I'm not absolutely sure, I cork it up and I test it to make sure that it's tight. If I just seasoned it yesterday, I'm probably not going to cork it up today because I'm pretty darn confident that it's not leaking any air. But if I have any doubt whatsoever, I cork it up and I make sure that puppy is tight as a football. Then the next thing I do is, are all of my joints airtight? Okay, because that's the next logical step. And then after that, I make sure all my reed seats are nice and airtight. And after that, I double and triple check that my drone reeds are calibrated. And I actually do that um, every single time I get my bagpipes out of the box. Every single time I go through that list. Um, because that way, um, that way I know without a doubt every single time I'm playing that all of my energy can be devoted to music making and technical development, right? And none of my energy is going to be wasted struggling with my instrument. Right, exactly. And, and it's never been easier to do that, right? You have all the products you need to, to make sure that that happens and the checklist can be met every time out, you know, between drone reads that just work <laughs> and, you know, artificial bags if that's your thing. And there's just so much out there that can actually just help you push you toward that point where you don't have to worry about the maintenance. It's just a given, you know. Um, right. and, and if anything is wrong, right, if, if you go through that checklist and something is wrong, you don't have to spend very long fixing it. Right, That's because right. Of the, everything, all the all the products that are that you're using are just going to make it that much easier just to get it back to where it needs to be. So, right. If only I had a routine uh, for making tea that was as good as my <laughs> routine for getting the bagpipe sound. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a lot of like, cool... like, yeah. Go ahead, Ben. Let's I mean, just think for a minute. Like you know, we were starting to talk. We would just start with the the bagpipe and what you know the plan you need for practicing. But if you had to list all the things that any bagpiper whether you know you're starting out playing or you've been playing for a long time, all the things you need to worry about, right? All the things you need to practice or work or improve or work toward improving. Like how many things, different things do you think you could list? Jeez, I don't know. Guess. Yeah, it's 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 almost countless. Like you can really break down almost any aspect of your playing into little tiny bits that could be practiced or improved, right? And there's a and there's an actual the uh, the British pro cycling team has a, has a, has this principle that they've been practicing now for the last few years 
um, that has been key to their victories in the Tour de France and other things over the last few years. It's, and it's called the aggregation of marginal gains. You know, and all that is is that basically they look at every aspect of the performance and they try to improve it 1%. And then altogether, that means a big improvement when you sort of gather that all together. So it's not about, like, getting better bikes, you know, and, and improving that, or better fitness by itself, improving fitness 30%. Everybody has to be 30% more fit. No, everybody has to be 1% more fit, because everything else is also improving 1%. So it, it seems like it's an easier prospect, right? And you think about all these different things, um, you know, how can I get 1% better performance out of my instrument, right? You know, can my bagpipe be 1% more airtight? You know, if you look at it that way. Um, Interesting. So, so you know, it's, it's, it's just all these things. And so not just the instrument, right? If you go through all the other aspects, like your personal health, right, your attitude, your mood, <laughs> you know, things like that. You know, just everything that could be improved. Like these guys, uh, I was reading up, I started reading up on this, and they do things like bring their personal pillows and beds with them when they travel so they can get good night's sleeps in, you know, hotels and various things. Because, you know, you travel a lot, it's kind of hard to sleep in strange beds, and I always end up get, not getting a good night's sleep when I travel. But um, they do stuff like that, you know. They practice, the, it's about getting better equipment, right? Getting the best equipment you can get and making sure it's performing at, you know, its most optimal level, you know. So it's all these things together, you know. If you think about it from a bagpipe perspective, it's like you could you could easily build a practice routine that does that, like just improves, you know, a handful of aspects of your playing in 1%, you know. What's measurable about your performance yeah. and just work on those things and just get them a tiny bit better. It would be hugely better. It should be a little bit better, you know. And and that's and little bits are kind of what we're all about, right? It's just getting that little bit extra better technique or that little bit extra better tone, you know, um, something like that. So that could easily be uh, part of your plan. Yeah. There's like a little sub-conversation going on about how to fix a hole in the bag. And if you do have a synthetic bag, um, yeah, go to a bike shop. They'll have all sorts of ideas for you. I like that idea. Uh, if you have a high bag, um, good luck. We've tried all sorts of stuff. <laughs> I think I've tried under, uh, everything under the sun. Um, Nothing works well other than just sort of skinning a new animal. Yeah. John, um, John Holcomb is saying that there are some things that are more important than others, and I can't agree more. So if you can improve the calibration of your drones by 1%, um, the overall sound of your bagpipe improves by more than 1% mm -hmm. because it's related to so many other things. So I think that's a great observation. Air tightness of the bag, I can't stress enough how ultimate, you know, ultimate unrelenting air tightness um, I can't stress enough how much that can contribute to the quality of a sound. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's why we go in order. That's why we do air tightness and then joint tightness. So the joints, right, the hemp, the hemp around the different joints of the uh, bagpipe, making sure those are airtight. I speak from experience because I um, just recently decided to redo it, you know, and, and to start from scratch and to really do it on my pipes, and I had great success. Uh, way, way better sound. Just tending to that one basic thing. Then the type thing. I'm just posting a video. Yeah. 
the video that's the team sky coach, uh, Dave Brailsford, I think his name is, um, sort of explaining his approach, you know, the, the aggregation of marginal gains. And it's just about sort of a brief overview of how, what they've done. And it's, you know, and it worked. That's the thing. Like, I think you just talk about all these things, like, it did work. It, I mean, the UK team had no hope of winning anything in cycling and haven't for God knows how long. And the minute this guy sort of implemented these, these techniques, they went on to two, two, two consecutive Tour de France victories in a, in a matter of a few years. So it's, it's, not, it's not a bunch of bunkum, you know. <laughs> it's actually something that's actually worked. And, you know, and, and people are, it's, it's got all the buzz now because, you know, people are using it. It's a very flexible approach. You can use it in almost anything. You know, um, you know I, I read a couple of articles about uh, classrooms, you know, applying the principle. The U.S. Olympic ski team right now is using aspects of this. When they're when they're in, in developing their athletes yeah. and things like that, so you know and it's, well, it's really about, it's really about strengthening all those little things that you even no matter how marginal they might be, like it could be you know just all the little sort of periphery things that you think don't matter but might if you just sort of improve them a little bit, you know. So yeah, and like you said like you know, that one percent could mean a lot, right? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. sometimes it's a bad rap. Cycling gets a bad rap lately, um, partially because they've been exposed for drug use. Yes, uh, and, exactly. uh, but mostly, but mostly because Americans really suck at cycling. <laughs> it, gets a, it gets a bad rap in our country. Um, yeah, because no American professional athletes use drugs, do they? Nah, That's not right. in any of our sports. Yeah. Well, and he, and he actually makes a comment about that. Great comment about that. You know, the, the, the doping aspect is, of it. Hold on, hold on. Where I'm going up with that is. Um, it's an amazing sport, and it's hugely relevant to um, hugely relevant to piping the way that uh, that cycling training works. And like you said, I mean, there's so many individual components uh, that you can improve just that little bit uh, to get to where you need to go. And of course, bike maintenance bike maintenance is like mm -hmm. obviously a prerequisite to being a good racer. Mm -hmm. So uh, so it's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I, there was an article, at one, one point I was reading about uh, a slalom skier, I forget the guy's name, he's, you know, they, he essentially needed to improve, like, his stance, you know, like, that's what he wanted to do, so they spent hours in a wind tunnel, you know, with, with you know, winds going at 80, 90 miles an hour, so he could improve the quality of his stance when he's, you know, in the crouch or in the tuck or anything like that, when he's skiing downhill. I mean, that's, it's no way to measure that except in the end result, right? If your time improves... You 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 can say what I'm doing is is working, you know. Um, and it's and it's a little bit of a leap of faith, but you know, you know, we we have the fortune, good fortune of actually seeing instant or hearing instant results. You know, if we're doing something and and we want to think, you know, know if it's making an improvement, we have we can listen. You know, we can record ourselves and listen to that. You know, is that any better? You know, um, so you can measure it. You know, you can't measure it in maybe strict percentages, but you can definitely measure it. You know, comparatively. So, yeah. I mean, you can use logic. I mean, you can use logic to, um, you know, to invent ways to improve, even though you won't see the result uh, right away. Uh, there's some various things going around here in the chat room Steve's about. Steve's got a, that's great, a great block there, Steve. It's an excellent questions. I mean, it's you know, how would you break down a, a, a each day or say over a week in order? I think exercise, blowing steady, playing on the beat, new tunes, old tunes. I mean, these are the things, right? It's easy to get tunnel vision on this stuff, right? You want to say exercise or blowing steady. Like, what does that really mean? 
You know, is it is it can you blow steady through you know three quarters of a tune? Can you blow steady through half a tune? Can you blow steady through two and a half tunes? You know, these are the things that you if you want to measure it and you want to practice it, you have to be able to sort of have a goal in mind, and you have to actually have that sort of specific objective. I want to be able to blow steady through all three tunes of my MSR, or something like that. Um, and at the end, you know, have it sound the same, you know. Um, that's, that's a measurable goal. You could, you could work toward that, and that's, an, you know, that's a percentage improvement. If you can only blow through steady through two, two of your three tunes, and that's only, you know, you're only blowing steady for 60% of your, your music there. So, um, so your, your daily practice routine can be partly that, you know, just recording yourself, making sure that you're blowing steady and just improving it that little bit, you know. Um, and for, in terms of time, I mean, it could be, take days, it could take a week, it could take a month, you know. But if you're spending consistent time on it, it's, uh, you know, it's bound to change, so... Yeah, I like uh, John. John is uh, uh, reiterating a huge point that I try to iterate as often as possible, which is measurement is key, and it's difficult in a uh, subjective space to measure things, uh, which is, you know, one of the big challenges of uh, competitive piping, is that it's. Uh, really difficult to measure things like expression and what have you, and but that's the key is developing systems to do that. So, um, so the, yeah, the manometer, especially the water manometer that we use at the dojo, which uh, unrestricted in every way, is a great way to measure um, success in regards to producing bagpipe sound. Yeah, and it's and it's easy to see the the, the changes, right? You can easily, if you're spending, you know, a consistent amount of time, I think that's really the key. Like, you can say, you want to, how do I you know, sort of structure my practice time? You know, what you want to be doing is spending consistent time on something. You don't want to say, oh, well, I'm only going to be, you know, I want to practice blowing steady for the entire practice session. You know, that's, again, that's tunnel vision, right? You're going to, you're going to be working on one thing at the expense of other things. Um, and you don't want to be you, sort of... Yeah, this um, Cynthia's digital manometer, that's awesome. Especially if, you can, uh, especially if you can plug it into your computer and chart data points, because talk about improving something by one percent, right? Um, you know, if you had a digital How's, manometer, wait a how is that hooked up to the bagpipes, Cynthia? You have to you have to sort of clue us in on that. Yeah, that is awesome. Uh, that's really really cool. Uh, I, I've always wanted to develop that because it would be great to chart my steadiness um, over an hour long period. Right, right. How steady am I? Um, and then you, if you could also get it to simultaneously uh, um, chart what note you're playing as well, so then you can start <laughs> That would be to, cool. To, well, that you know, it would be really cool if it could record, right? If, you could, if it's digital, you can actually record the performance of, of the pressure changes, right? And then you, you can actually tie it into the sound that you're recording as well, and you can actually see where, where you're changing, right? Where things sort yes. of alter. That's sweet. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the name of the game, and I'd, I'd also like to, um, yeah, I, I'd like to, I'd like to chart uh, uh, temperature and moisture inside the bag over time as well. Just for the hose um, and stuff. Well, cool. I, you just sort of hook it up. She says you just hook it up analog, man. It's a cork in the hose. I love it. Awesome. awesome. See, that's and that's, and that's exactly what some of these sports teams are doing. They're like, you know, they're just applying tools. 
you know, in, in more refined ways to get more out of whatever they're doing. You know, so, you know, we, if you really do want to increase something 1%, you had better have a good way to measure it. So you have to employ all the best tools you can possibly find to get to, uh, to do that, you know. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, that cool. I guess to summarize, to bring this topic back to uh, practice tips that really work, you know, the bottom line is, um, yeah, develop tools that make you better. Um, and bagpiping isn't like cycling where, you know, where there's tons of money in it and, and uh, they play you on NBC Sports Channel with that really cool announcer guy. Um, you know, so we don't have, we don't have really high-tech, expensive tools that uh, we use to develop ourselves and, and everybody has their own tricks um, and so on and so forth. Um, and so, yeah, develop things that work um, in a way that, I mean, that's where the dojo methodology is, has been so successful. Mm-hmm. It's, it's in, ev- in every aspect of piping, we've developed tools um, and a set of, you know, vocabulary that allow us to really uh, push the envelope um, mm-hmm. and, and move forward. Yeah. It's, it's been- I mean, and that's a really good point. I mean, if you really want to say, you know, I, I want to practice, you know, my sort of uh, musicality or something, you know, and increase that by 1%. I mean, you know, watching some dojo university classes, right? You could do that. It could synthesize some ideas in your head and maybe uh, give you some new motivation to sort of push things a little bit further. Um, and, and again, like, you know, getting the best equipment, right? You, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't put up with stuff that is substandard. That's that's always been my sort of approach to it. And it's, and it's the approach of all the best in the field, too. It's they do not tolerate anything that's below the best thing that it can be. So they get the best equipment they can possibly get. That means reeds, channers, bagpipe, bags, everything. So it's all working in your favor. Um, you cannot, you know, you can't, you know, it's like if this is, you know, if you got handed a chanter and some old model of some brand that went out of style 20 years ago, you're not going to have a good time. <laughs> playing the instrument, you know, because it's, it's just not going to produce the right sound for you, the modern sound, which is a little bit different than what it was 20 years ago. And so you need something different. So you should get it, you know. So, and yes, spend money. <laughs> You're going to have to spend money, you know. Yeah. Same thing with the reeds, you know, channel reeds. They're not cheap anymore, right? You know. Yeah, Definitely. I'm just looking at some of these water manometers on Amazon. Looks like you can get some ones that do USB. Oh, you're already searching for the digital one, aren't you? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you have to go to the lab supply catalog. Yeah, I would want it to come into like a spreadsheet uh, where I could calculate stuff like, <laughs> you know, standard deviation. Um, you know, yeah, standard deviation. You'd obviously want to keep that uh, to a minimum, and then you'd want to have maximum deviation. And then you want to have like overall steadiness. Somehow you'd have to calculate, uh, and I don't know how you do that. Yeah. Oh, Car- Carl sent a graphing one. <laughs> Let's check it out. Very excited. Yeah, Lynn paid 100 million dollars for her drone reason. I've never regretted it. That's great. Get ready to spend more because they won't last forever. <laughs> so you're gonna have to buy another set soon. So I don't know how long old they are, but. Oh, Get ready. Digitally zero. That's pretty cool. So yeah, this one that Carl sent, you can digitally zero out the manometer, uh, which and then if we set zero to be the the ultimate sweet spot in the chanter read, 
Right? Then we could do some real data analysis. You calculate how far below zero you are. That's nice. Man. That it's going to kill the self-esteem of, like, every piper in the universe. You start employing those things in a widespread... <laughs> like, everybody's going to be, like, despondent. It's like, oh. Now then. I'm point... I'm point one, two, five off of zero. For, uh, it's just more worries. Yeah. I mean, but you have to be... The only way to really acquire any true self-esteem, then, is to really nail that thing. <laughs> exactly. That's true. That's true. That's why you practice. You gotta, you gotta work on the practice. You know. You know. So I, you know, right. bringing it back to like you know, sort of structuring your practice too. You know, like we talk a lot about all this sort of measurable stuff. But you know, how do you measure? How do you measure? Say, I don't know. Stress bay expression, right? You say I want to prove my stress bay, which is way too broad a goal. Know exactly how to do that. Well, I know. So it's, 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 it's too broad a goal to say I want to improve my stress bay playing because, like, what does that even mean? You know, it's like if you broke it down, like, what is it you really want to improve? And and that's what you work on. You know, is it is it is it the way you're 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 phrasing the tune? Is it the way you're presenting the pulses? I don't know. It's like it's there's all these little things that you could actually list and work on and record and measure and listen to. Which again is the key component there. You have to be able to hear the product, the end product of all of this. So that either means you get, you know, your graphing manometer, or you have a recording device that you're you're listening to regularly um, with yourself on it. You know. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Let's see. Yeah. A lot ASAP, right? So, uh, just uh, expounding on what Lynn is saying here. Um, yeah, stress bay playing has a number of components, some of which are adjusted specifically for stress bays. And so, uh, yeah, to improve my stress bay playing has very little to do with stress bays. It has to do with you know really mastering my A lot ASAP skills, my pulsing skills, and then largely my embellishment skills too. There's so much short note fusion that goes on in stress bays that I'm really going to have to master that. But once I have all those pieces put together, um, you know, that's how I'm going to really start to explore stress bays and make them better. Yeah. Cynthia says, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 Mark. I, uh, uh, Cynthia, so, um, yeah, dojo people will know what ALAP ASAP means. Um, it's basically a fundamental skill that we've developed um, to uh, help pipers understand and improve general expression, bagpipe expression. Um, so when you hear us talk about ALAP ASAP, that's what that's all about. I mean, and it's funny, you know, says, you know, getting 1% better expression needs some self-analysis skills, and it's, well, partly yes, but also, you know, if you're really serious, like if your issue is maybe your embellishments or your technique and your grace notes, and maybe they're not all the same or they need to be more consistent, um, then you can hear that, right? You can train, you know, you're going to have to train yourself to listen for that, either while you're playing or after you play and you, by listening to a recording of it. Um, and, that, and that's one little component that will, actually that one little percent will probably mean a whole big difference in other things, not just your stress base, but everything. So, um, you can definitely, I mean, it's not so much you need like to be so, so self and, and analytical, you just need to be, um, you know, you just need to listen and, and, and train yourself to do that. And you do it more and you do it consistently and you'll actually get better at it as you go. So, um, again, 
you got you to gotta hear, you got to hear what, what's going on, you know, so whatever you can do to do that, whether it's recording, whether getting somebody else to listen, you know, sometimes you need to play in front of other people, right, and get some feedback. We lost Andrew. I don't know where he went. Maybe his telephone went. Well, so if, if everybody, what's some of the things that everybody um, sort of stumbles with? I know some of the some of the comments were coming. Some there was some sort of confusion on what to practice, how to structure it. I mean, is that really the 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 bane, the the basic problem with sort of coming up with a practice routine that works for you, or is it is it is there one particular thing that sort of it's in the way. Anybody? Lensboro stink. Okay. <laughs> well, that's a very specific thing. You can easily work that, right? You can spend time doing that. Yeah, I'll tell you my biggest hang-up at the moment is just the weather. It's so It can be so depressing to try and play bagpipes when it's so cold and dry. And there's ways around that, of course, like casing humidifiers and or getting a humidifier for your practice space, but that, that's been the biggest challenge for me the last few weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I think my, my, my problem more or less is really sort of getting, I don't know, I think if you, it's that tunnel vision that I spoke of earlier. It's like it's, you really sort of get sort of um, bogged down in little things, right? And, and you start worrying about those and start really sort of hammering those as if, that's going to make them better, but they don't really get better, and then it frustrates you more, and and you just sort of get angrier <laughs> instead of happier. So, you, you know, you really have to sort of uh, take a step back and really sort of listen critically to everything that you're doing. You can't get lazy, and you can't get bogged down in, in, in minutia. You know, you just sort of have to, like, let it happen and develop. You know, and one of the things that people are speaking about motivation, you know, when you hear the improvement... That's motivating, right? So when you, you're able to measure these things and record yourself and hear things, and um, and they do change for the better, then that's motivating for me. That's motivating. It's always motivating for me, you know, when I hear it. And it's like, okay, well, I got to do more of that, <laughs> you know. Um, and then that's that's the only way you improve it, you know. And the genius behind the sort of marginal gains idea is the flexibility of it and the idea that it doesn't ever stop, right? Once you've aggregated it all and you've made that sort of group improvement, you keep improving another percent, right? You keep looking for more things to improve another 1%, or the same things, another 1%. And it's just that it's just that constant sort of work uh, in those little ways and those little things, doing, doing the things that worked, but doing it more of it so you can actually get a little further. So the, the aggregate gains actually become bigger, you know, and your success follows, right? So that's we've seen that with the, with the cycling team. Um, there's no reason it can't work in music, too. Yeah, there's one thing that will definitely help you get better, which is an I Love Manometers t-shirt uh, from Georgia <laughs> University. Uh, check those out. Very reasonably priced. And yeah. uh, if we don't sell 50 of them, nobody gets a shirt. We've got to sell 50 manometer shirts. Yeah. Jim has a great question. Did anybody use a structured practice routine? How long do you practice in a session? I, I've gotten to the point where I've wanted to do this and I haven't done it yet, which with bagpipes it gets a little tricky to do this, is to actually, and I know a structured practice routine also involves recording things on the fly. So you record, you listen, then you play, 
then you record again, and then you listen again. And so you, it, may, it may not even be like a long, full session. Like I tend to record whole sessions and then listen to it after. But listening to it while it's happening actually works better toward implementing those improvements faster, you know, and more sort of concretely. You know, if you're listening, so you play for 10 minutes, then you stop and you listen to what you played, and then you sort of listen critically and think about the things that you need to change and then do it and then record it again and see if it worked, you know. And then once it does work, you keep doing that and sort of to really sort of drive it home. And um, that's not something I've done yet, but it's 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 a little hard to do because you need the right equipment and you, know, you need something to be able to quickly play back what you've just done without, you know, your instrument sort of going kerfluey where you have to play for another 10 minutes before it's back up to sounding good again, you know. Nothing is worse than an instrument going kerfluey. Yeah. That's what I've that's what I found. Kerflu is not good. Actually, uh, there's actually a workshop class this weekend called How Not to Go Kerflu. <laughs> That's Metro true? Express. No, I'm just joking. Metro Express is this weekend in Newark. They have a whole bunch of workshops. Um, piping centers coming down and do sort of classes. And, you know, they're sort of taking advantage of the presence of Angus McCall and Willie McCallum and all these guys. So you know, it's going to be fun. Yeah, should they make it here to the U.S.? That is. <laughs> yeah, it should all be interesting. They're also doing uh, live streaming via their education uh, website. That's true. That's true. That should be interesting too. Which bears a uncanny resemblance to Dojo University <laughs> in certain ways. Yes. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, the Metro Cup is this Saturday um, in Newark, New Jersey. A fun evening of. Hardcore, solid piping from dawn till dusk and beyond. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of full, full, full scale immersion there. Yeah, it's all very interesting. Uh, yeah, some a lot of people will be there. It looks like. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Excellent. I'm just reading through some of these comments. Says yeah, I mean, Gary, Gary, you know, Gary, yes, I would have definitely have a pattern of practice for different goals. I mean, if, you, if your goals are attainable and if they're sort of actionable, um, you know, like, like we said, like, it's like improving my strath bay playing is not really an actionable goal. It's a, it's a broad sort of idea. The goals are broken down into, you know, how do I improve, you know, my A-lap ASAP? How do I improve, you know, my grace note? playing or my sort of embellishments a little bit better. You know, these are the things that you need to focus on. Those are actionable goals. So, you know, you would have a pattern of those and, and sort of work them on a regular basis um, until, you know, until you get them to a point where you're happy with them, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Yes, exactly. Pieces of the puzzle. It's just because you can't. You, there's just no way to practice everything every time, right? There's just no. There's just isn't. It's just not possible. Even if you know one or two tunes, you know, there's just still way too much to 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 worry about to practice all of it. You know, every aspect of those tunes uh, and your instrument and everything else is just is just too much. So you, you sort of break it down into the things that you know that will improve the most or make the most gains for you. You know, it's like just little things, you know, which add up to big things. Yeah. It's all very interesting. I'm actually kind of thinking of what I'm going to practice this afternoon. It's got me going. 
All right. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, do you need to have a goal for each practice? I mean, goals are kind of overrated, right? For every right? practice? Not really. I mean, there's a pattern, like you said. Like, I think, um, you know. Who, I think you do have to have a goal of some kind. Yeah, there should be a goal, but there's not like a, there should be a pattern of things that sort of get you to a goal that you may have established at one point. So you're not walking into the start of your practice saying, I'm going to do this, even though maybe you should, <laughs> and maybe that would work. But I know for me, it's like I just, it's more like a sort of a, uh, an organic sort of growth thing, you know. You just sort of move forward, and, and you know, you get there when you get there, <laughs> kind of, you know. There's no time limits, really. Yeah. It's interesting. In all honesty, I, I think goal setting comes a little bit later. You know, for me, like right now, I'm in a phase where I'm just trying to get over my holiday itis, where I didn't really practice enough, and and I'm just trying to get through tunes uh, with keeping my bagpipe in tune and and dry, um, and limiting errors like technical errors, um, and then as I move forward, I will, you know, integrate more and more of those specific goals. Um, that I'd like to achieve, and you know, like I'll start recording myself, and I'll start analyzing, and then I'll, you know, um, I'm not quite to that point yet. I haven't quite built that in. Yeah, it's a, you know, Tom, and Tom says it like that. It's, it's that's perfect. You know, you, you want better bro, you commit five minutes of bro exercise to every practice session for six months. I mean, it takes six months, could take less, it could take more. Who knows? But now you have a great bro. But that's just five minutes of consistent time spent on that thing, and that's that's the key component there, you know, you didn't have a, you know, your goal was like, yeah, I want my bro to be better, but, you know, just keep doing it, just keep at it, <laughs> just yeah. keep working it, but it's consistency, that's the thing, that's the key, you know, I think everybody wants everything to be good the minute they work on it, and that's not going to happen, you know, you have to really focus the time and, and keep doing it, you know, keep spending the consistent time. Absolutely. So, um, are there any uh, final questions or comments before we wrap it up here for today? Uh, uh, Nate, here's one from Nate. With one hour of practice, what do you think about when you start? A specific practice, working on steadiness, trouble spot, a bar three. If you don't have a goal, how do you use that hour? That's a good question. That's a good question. A lot of times, a lot of times, you know, you start off playing, okay, well, I think I'm going to work on my light music. And so I think, okay, well, MSR, and you start playing the MSR, and you realize, oh, well, that march, you know, that, that, needs, that needs work. So you start breaking down, you know, parts, phrases, whatever, and working on those, you know. Um, it's more like sort of a, a goal of the moment kind of thing, you know. Sometimes you sort of like, as you're playing, you realize, oh, you know, that's stress based. That, that sucked. I need to work on that. You know, and you just so you work on it for a while, just to get it back to where you think it needs to be, or you work on it. I mean, or maybe like you said, technical issues. You know, there's a you know maybe you're I don't know if you're practicing P-Rec, your chrono isn't isn't where it needs to be, so you just hammer that for a while. You know, right? And some practices, you know, so Nate. I mean, I think I would answer that question by saying, uh, you know, if I'm playing on my pipes for an hour, usually my goal is not going to be uh, to work on a specific spot in bar three. I'm, I'm probably going to keep an eye on it to see how it's coming along. Um, and it, my steadiness, I'm going to do the best I can to be steady, but, you know, that particular practice session is going to be more about, um, it's going to be more about developing, you know, bigger picture things. 
And then I then I'll reflect at the end of that session. And I'll say, man, that spot in bar three really isn't very good still. So I need to go readdress it. And that would be a different kind of practice session. Maybe starting with my practice chanter, working on it, bringing it to the pipes. You know, that that might be something that happens a little bit later on. Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, in terms of like structuring your practice, I mean, a, a good way, you know, like. You don't even need to spend the bulk of the time on, you know, full tunes. You can just work on those kinds of little bits and pieces. But I always like starting off the practice, you know, session just playing whatever I'm learning, you know, like whatever new tune is on the is on the docket, you know. It's like, okay, I want to just warm up with that. And you just sort of just work at that casually, you know. And, and over time, you've realized you've actually been practicing it, you know, just by doing it. And, and it's starting to sound pretty good. And then... Then you start working on it, you know. Then you start really sort of uh, thinking about it more and, 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 and doing those things. So, you know, as, as a sort of a technique, you know, just... And then the rest of the session would be maybe working on something else, you know, like whatever, technical things maybe, or um, and not even very long, you know, just but starting off your practice session with something that you might you know, just be learning, you know. And that could just be exercises too, you know, or that could be just some tune that you picked up, you know, from somewhere just having fun. So you start off with a little bit of enjoyment, maybe, and then it doesn't make the practice such a chore, you know. Yeah. Cynthia starts by singing through the tune. Yeah, that's a great way to start. It all depends what, what level, or, you know, what level you're at piping-wise, too, um, as well. Um, like, I do, most of my practice, I, my pipes are going continuously for 45 minutes to an hour. So I'm not going to be able to stop and sing through stuff, um, you know, in the middle of that practice session. However, um, I'm always singing tunes all day and trying to get them in my head. So I think singing is a great thing. Marty's asking something about internet connection. Um, I'm not quite sure I understand the question there, Marty. Do I sing tunes in my head while I'm playing? Yes. And I'm amazed at how few pipers do that. I remember uh, last year I uh, started talking about that uh, at an OMR practice, and people were looking at me like I had two heads. Like, what do you mean I'm supposed to sing and play at the same time? Um, but you absolutely need to do that. So I always have the image of the ideal in my brain, which is usually some sort of inner, internal dialogue of how the tune goes. It's like an internal singing. And I have a vision of what it should ideally sound like. And then my mission is to create that in the physical world. That's that's always what I do. Um, so that's yeah. a really, really great question. Very helpful. Very helpful. Um, Marty says, I cannot get on just when you have your shows. Um, hmm. Okay. Uh, okay. I but, mean, you, know, Marty, you might that's, not. Be I mean, again, it's like you're practicing that. Uh, uh, we do have all of these shows are always posted on podcast.dojouniversity.com, which um, you know you should be able to get um, if you know you don't have a consistent internet connection. Um, you know, whenever you do have internet, you can go check them out there. That might ha that might be what you're asking about. Sorry, Ben, what were you saying? 
You know, as, as, as a practice, you know, as a sort of a, a practice thing, you know, it's like if you're, if you're into the singing thing, you're doing that on a regular basis, you know, it's just a matter of comparison, right? You're just sort of listening to yourself play, is it, does it match your singing, you know? It's just, a, it's all about sort of, again, that measuring, you know, like comparing, like what's, you know, because those are the ways you're going to find out where sort of you're coming up short or what needs to be focused on and where, what you're, what you're good at, you know, <laughs> stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Cool. Um, well, let's uh, wrap it up there. I, I mean, uh, there's always more we could talk about practice-wise, but um, let's call it in there, and we'll get this posted up in the uh, podcast uh, for folks, and uh, we'll be back next week with more awesome topics. Excellent. Yeah, Steve sums it up great. <laughs> practice daily, be disciplined, try to make it fun, and be better than you were yesterday. Excellent. Awesome. <laughs> Nothing's worse than being worse than you were yesterday. <laughs> it happens. Every day I'm getting better and better. My affirmation. All right, guys. I'm going to stop the recording there, and we'll see you guys next week. All right. Have a good day, everyone.